actually finishing off our sermon series in Hebrews, and um, there's a there's just a truth here. I, I love this sermon series because I started it with a different theme, and then all of a sudden it changed because uh, I don't know God is just really good that way. But but honestly, Jesus is greater is more than just a statement. It's literally what we need to live out in every situation, circumstance. Jesus is greater than that. Now, here is a reality that uh, I'm not sure if it gets talked about enough, that um, we live in a world that is broken. It's completely broken. And we live in that world with people and also God who is given full free will. And so when you mix the broken world with broken people with full free will, uh, we will experience brokenness. That's a kind of just a reality of the life we live. And even in that statement, you know, I have questions. There's things I, I don't understand. But, but this is just the truth, that not everything is good. But Jesus is greater than everything that we will ever encounter, right? And God is good. And so it's really important to not really make light of or pretend that everything is good. Because it's not, right? We just, we just live in a broken world and broken things exist. But God is greater than that. And even though we will experience brokenness, there is a promise and a purpose that God has called for us that is greater than that brokenness that we will or are experiencing right now. And the promise of God, actually more important than the promise of God, the purpose of God, the purpose that God has given us is that through His goodness displayed that all will know that He is God. Through His goodness displayed, all will know that he is God. So when you hear me say things like God's favor or, or that, we're call, that, that we, we are, are designed and created to thrive in life, I'm speaking about God's displaying his goodness through us and that goodness being displayed, illuminating who God is, right? That, that is his purpose. Now, in each of our lives, that takes many different avenues, right? Like I, I, I remember... Um, uh, um, going through high school, and, and then we would, you know, the church youth group would be like, okay, what is God's will for you? And we have to, okay, God, what job do you want me to do? And all this pressure. Well, I mean, literally, no matter where we find ourselves in life, whether like we're a, a garbage technician, I just made that word up. I don't know what they're called. Garbage men, people. <clears throat> I just swallowed water. Uh, a garbage people uh, work in an office, teacher, any profession you want to list, Wherever we find ourselves, this purpose doesn't change. That wherever we are in our sphere of influence, <coughs> sorry, in our sphere of influence, we display the goodness and the nature of God. And, 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 and it's just, just a beauty in that. And, and I don't know, that's just who God is. So when we say things like God is good, that's what I'm saying. We're reflecting his nature, not ours. And it's important because uh, um, when we experience brokenness and living in a broken world, being broken people, every once in a while what gets displayed out of us is brokenness. I don't know if you've ever experienced looking at a warped or broken mirror. Uh, um, we used to have, well, used to have, I used to go to Playland. Anyone heard of Playland? Okay, and Playland has even I think today some things that they had when I was a kid, and one of them was this this maze of mirrors. Okay, and I, I am literally the kid who is ran right into the plexiglass, but it, it, it's designed to warp and confuse and, and 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 it distorts what's real. And and it's important to remember that as we think about 
this, that we're called to be reflectors of God's glory. And that takes pressure off us because we don't have to reflect ourselves. We don't need to be perfect. It's a heart that understands that God is good and I'm not. And that's okay. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, is it a couple weeks ago? Did I speak last week? I don't even remember. But we were in uh, Hebrews 12, and, and I wanted to go back and, and, and just focus a little more on uh, verses 5 and 8. So let's start there. And have you forgotten that encouraging word God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his children. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Now, as we looked at that, first of all, it's kind of an interesting and funny thing to think that we, we would be happy with discipline. But um, the word discipline here is actually better understood as train or, or, or teach. And it was specifically designed to, to pass on to the next generation. You would, you would choose the, the child with promise and you would pass on something. Now, here's a situation that we find ourselves today. Each and every one of us, whether we believe or not, has been chosen by God. So you stand right now, no matter how you feel about yourself, actually chosen. Meaning God sees you and says there's worth there. And what he's passing on is this heritage of blessing and favor. It was a promise first given to Abraham, where Abraham, I, you know, I will bless you and your descendants. And it continues on. The tradition that this last song we sung was actually a scripture of blessing. And then we see in the New Testament that that blessing gets passed on to every believer. And so now this is the inheritance that's being passed on from generation to generation to generation. And so when we look at verses 5 to 8 here, this training and teaching is, it, it, we can look at it like this, that in the course of life, we will be taught, we will grow, we will experience life in all its brokenness, and we will experience the goodness of God through that, and in that, we are being trained to continue to reflect the favor and the nature and the goodness of God in every scenario, in the mountaintops of our lives, in the valley of our lives. It's not that everything is good. It's that in everything, we reflect God's goodness. You see the difference there, right? And, and, and we spent a lot of time in this church, and, and most people, most people, everyone who speaks here, we, we spent a lot of time focusing on, on the, who God is and who we are because of God. And it's really important to understand that. It, a large portion of the ministry of Jesus was, was restoring the image of the Father, restoring the image of who God is. Because when we understand who God is and who we are, we can filter stuff like this and understand what God is teaching us through this. And as parents, we can, we can relate to some things. For instance, when uh, um, we teach our kids that something is hot, we don't take their hand and burn them. We don't put our kids in a campfire. Hey, look, campfires are hot and throw them in there. See what I mean? Like, that's not how we teach our kids. Right? We teach our kids not to do that. Right? It's, this, it's the same way with God. Yet if our view of God is someone who, who punishes or is looking to exact judgment, then the idea that God would throw us into the fire to teach us about the fire kind of makes sense. Right? In fact, really good Christian people teach like that. Because it sounds right. God causes suffering. That he's teaching us through discipline. 
But that's not what this means. That's a reflection of a little bit of a broken character and a broken nature. But when we understand the purpose of God is for our good, we can understand that discipline isn't punishment, right? But rather using the brokenness and bringing good, teaching us through the brokenness of our life. Let's use the parenting example again. In, in raising kids, kind of two things happen. Do you guys remember the stage? And for everyone, it's different. But there will be a stage, and Austin, this is good, you know, Austin, you care, watching, this is good for you, where literally every second word coming out of your mouth will be the word no. And you will feel like a horrible parent. Anyone been there? Remember? That's funny, I, I'm using you, but my youngest daughter, her name's Hope. And we would always feel so bad because it could literally be a whole day where all hope hears is there's no hope. No hope, no hope, no hope, there is hope. But we go through this phase of no, 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 no. And that's not easy. And I, I don't remember being three or two or whatever age it is, but I'm pretty sure it's not easy for the kid too to be told no. And another thing that usually happens in that scenario is sometimes kids do it anyways and they get hurt. You know, have we had a kid, I've never had a kid break, break a bone, but I've had kids fall down the stairs, right? I've had, you know, kids burn themselves. And sometimes that happens and, and you got to deal with it. Now it's the same thing in our relationship with God. As we continue to grow, we will experience the no's. And they're not wonderful. And sometimes we will get hurt. Yet God works through our brokenness to bring about his purpose. Do, do we see the difference there? So it's really important to understand that God doesn't cause, he works all things for our good. Do, do, do we see the difference there? He's working for our good. Let's continue on. Actually, even sometimes, I'm going to go here, because literally someone just, I just heard someone talk about this a couple days ago. They're referencing James 1, and some things are going down, uh, it, it, some things are happening, not here. And so I heard someone saying, you know, this is what God does this, because, you know, he, he, he takes the, the, the chaff from the wheat, or whatever Christian term they were using, and, 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 and we consider it pure joy that when we endure these things. And, and, and what we forget in James 1 is that as the author continues, then it says, don't be deceived, brothers that this comes from God, but rather it, this temptation or these trials come from our own evil desires, our own sinful nature. It comes from the brokenness of this world. And then I believe it's James 1.17 that says, but every good and perfect gift comes from him, the Father of lights. This is what our expectation can be, that good comes from God. And if you've grown up in church kind of like me and had my experience, I almost had the other fear when things were going too good that God would come and discipline because he's got to teach me humility when that's not the nature of God. In fact, that's just me reflecting my broken nature. As parents, we're not perfect. And even though God refers to himself as father to try to give us an understanding that we can relate to, God is not a better version of me. He's not a better version of you. God is still God. And he is perfect in what he does. And while you can expect brokenness from me, my girls will tell you, I have made mistakes. God is not me. God doesn't make those mistakes. We have that expectation of God's goodness. Okay, let's keep going. I went on a little rant. Uh, in fact, when we think about being chosen, when you're chosen, you're chosen because it's, you're different. And how you live 
needs to be different because you're chosen, right? In fact, I like how Peter puts it. So in, in 1 Peter 2, 9, this is what he says. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession, and as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, the context of this in 1 Peter 2, 9 is, is literally how you live. And Peter is saying, look, you don't live like others because you have been chosen. And as you're chosen, you reflect the goodness of God. And so if you want to practically apply it, as we go through life like everyone else, how we respond to life should be different, right? We, we might go through the same things, but how we respond should look different. And it's in that looking different, it's in our response that we begin to reflect the glory of God. What you will find, what I find anyways, absolutely fascinating with these New Testament letters is they're written in a time of incredible corruption and injustice. But never once do any of the authors of any of the New Testament letters ever, even if you look through in the Old Testament, in, in, in Egypt, in Babylon, all these nations, never once was the focus of the injustice done to God's people, but rather God's people's response to the injustice. How did they respond? How we live matters. So let's continue in Hebrews, verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Guys, not everything is good. It's not. And if we want to like really break this down and understand it practically, um, first of all, changing habits is really, really hard. And if how you live matters, then there's going to be some changes in how we live, right? And if we can use, like, I don't know, some examples of me, uh, me being a better husband, some of the changes I needed to make towards my wife, those changes aren't easy, right? Because breaking habits are hard. You think of other ones, just even basic Christian, Christian discipline. You know, I went to Bible college, but I didn't start actually reading the Bible regularly until about seven years ago. And let me tell you, starting that, it isn't easy. It, it's hard. No discipline is easy. No training is easy. Has anyone like been trained for a job and you just got it like that? Man, if that's you, you're like a prodigy. Most people, training isn't easy. Second of all, I don't know, um, I still have cable. Anyone actually still have cable at home? Am I like one of the dinosaurs, right? So one of the benefits of cable are actually commercials are funnier now because they have to be. And so there's a really funny commercial. It's an insurance commercial. And sometimes I think insurance commercials are the funniest commercials because insurance is the worst, right? Anyways, so it's a commercial of, I forgot who it is, but it, they got this cute little character and he looks like a germ actually, which is funny because now everything's COVID. But anyways, and, and, and there's just people at a table and having fun. And then this little thing bites you. And it's the thing is life can bite you. Well, it says life can bite you in the butt, I believe. But then, but good thing you have insurance, right? And, and why am I saying this? Oh, yeah, because the reality is life will get us. And that's not easy either. When life bites, it's not supposed to feel good. 
Sometimes I feel like, and maybe this is just me, but we, we try to downplay. It's, we could just, it's not good. When life bites us, ouch. And responding in a way that reflects the goodness and glory of God is hard. Let's not pretend that these things are easy. So take a new grip with your tired hands. Now, this is taking on new meaning for me. Uh, uh, really, it's, it's this. So Rachel and I have started uh, um, working out. And this method of working out, you, you have like lighter weights, but you do a lot of it, right? And so you kind of start, and it's easy, and then all of a sudden, it really isn't, right? And there's this moment where you're like, you're with people, so if you're home alone, you'd give up, but you can't because you're embarrassed, and so pride kicks in. Anyone else, right? And, and, and there's this moment where you can't do it, so you breathe, and you literally regrip. And I don't know if there's something scientific behind it, but all of a sudden, you regrip, and then you can do it, because there's this determination that's... I'm going to do it. And sometimes this is just what living Christian life is. Like sometimes we just got to re-grip and do it. You know, like this isn't good. And God, I have no idea what's going on here. I, I don't. Like this doesn't look good. I don't see you're good. Enough, but you know what? You're good. And you're just going to push forward. God, you're good. And you're going to push forward. I think um, we can all grow in our ability to re-grip and push. How we live matters. Mark out a straight path, that's verse 13, for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall. See, how we live matters because one, it leads to God's goodness and favor. How we live, how we live leads to experiencing God's goodness and favor. It aligns us for it. And this is what we want. This is our purpose. This is what God makes possible for us. But two, it also leads others to the same place. We are making a path. And we need to view how we live as more important than it's just not, it's just not about us. That people are watching. People are seeing. And the question is, where is our faith leading them? Because the minute that we associate ourselves with church, with God, we are leading the people around us somewhere. So where are our actions leading people? Where are our actions leading our children? Where are our actions leading the generation behind us and the generation in front of us? Where are our actions leading our sphere of influence? Because let me tell you, there is boatloads of information. I mean, there's people who can say, who can speak, teach way better than me. There's Christian teaching there that is I mean, right now in our home group, we're watching one. The guy's amazing, and I, I think he's a better communicator than I am. There's lots of communication, but what the world needs around us is some action. Where are our actions leading people? People, how we live matters because our purpose and our design was to reflect the glory of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God, so that all will know who God is really like, who the God really is. And each one, every, every one of us carry this purpose. So as we continue in Hebrews, we're going to see it. We're going to jump around a bit. Let's start in, in verses 12 and four, 12, uh, 14 and 15 in Hebrews 12. Work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. 
Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Jumping to chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. There, there's just so much we can, we can teach here. But this is all I want us to really hear and understand this morning. How we live matters. For some of us, it just matters for a different reason. See, our, our connection with God, it's already good. The minute you believe, there is literally nothing you can do that can make God love you any more or any less. How we live matters for the people around us. Remember, God's purpose and plan is that all will know who he is through his goodness displayed in our lives. So how we live matters. Even if we start in the beginning of Hebrews 12 there, uh, um, live, uh, live in peace with others. Live at peace with others. Like what if that became our filter? How we respond to one another. Like think about it practically right now with the amount of divisiveness that exists in this world right now? What if before everything we post, everything we communicate, everything we speak, the first filter was live at peace with everyone? You see, I'm beginning to learn in this season that honor releases power and authority. And until we learn to honor each other and to honor those around us, we're not going to see the full release of God's power and authority. Let's make sure we're not allowing the things that we don't like to knock us off track. To disrupt relationships with one another. Even more importantly, it knocks other people off track. Remember that. That how we live matters. Is what I am saying are my actions, is my attitude at peace with others. Is it reflecting God's glory? Or is it creating a stumbling block for the person around me? Just even thinking of, of Paul, I, I don't know where this is. Somewhere in one of his letters. There's lots of them. Where Paul's like, you know, for the Jews, I'm a Jew. For a Gentile, I'm a Gentile. You know, and, and what he's referring to is, is, is religious eating. Because some, while Christians, still didn't want to eat certain foods. And there was an argument in church. And this was with the divisive issue. Do I eat this food? Do I not eat this food? And Paul's like, for people who it offends them, eat that food. For people who don't, then be free. But don't let your life be the hindrance. Don't let your words, let your decisions be that stumbling block. I love 13 verse 1. Keep on loving each other. Whenever you see the word keep on in scripture, it literally refers to something that's really hard to do. Keep on because it's actually hard. If it wasn't hard, it wouldn't say keep on. Does that kind of make sense? And sometimes some of us got to regrip and just love, right? Because right now, it, you know, if you're kind of like me, sometimes you want to take that grip and you want to put it around someone's neck, right? No, 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 no. Regrip. We live at peace. I don't know how to communicate this. 
Christians, we need to be really slow to be offended, really slow to offend. We need to be incredibly quick to forgive. I don't have all the answers, and we might make a lot of mistakes, but let your mistakes default to too much grace, too much peace, too much understanding. Is that making a sense? sense? People will say things because they're broken, and sometimes brokenness will come out. But that brokenness is only harmful if we respond to it. Does that make sense? Because if, if we are slow to offend, then what can someone say in the wrong that actually affects us? If we're really quick to forgive, I mean, let's literally practically apply this. We're living in a time where any post, any statement can literally start a fire. It's, it's disgusting, but it's not new. There is nothing new under the sun. I, I talked about this, I believe it was last week, but um, I, I read a, a book, uh, let's say six years ago, I don't even remember its title, but the focus was on the Jesus movement. And the Jesus movement actually started, we reference it in the 70s, and it's this, this, uh, this uh, move of love. But it's actually uh, uh, part of the outfall of the Vietnam War in a time where uh, politically, socially, there was a ton of contention. They were either for it or against it, and there was like no middle ground, and people were yelling at each other. And if there was Facebook back then, people were unfriending each other, you know, <laughs> dislike, and there's probably YouTube videos that had opinions on everything. But yet, this was the breakthrough of the church when it just became about Jesus. Just love, man. And do you know that a lot of mistakes were made in the Jesus movement? Like out of the Jesus movement came kind of the holiness movement, and that was like not good for the church. But you know what? Who cares? You know, when it's just about Jesus, when we just like love, it might sound like hippie a little bit, but like can we really go wrong? Oh, but Sam, you don't know. People were still living in sin. I don't care. <laughs> you know? Like, let's just start at Jesus. Let's just start at grace. You know, the Bible says that it's actually the Holy Spirit's role to bring discipline and conviction. Never, never said it was my role or your role. Let's just reflect Jesus. I think we need to understand that where Jesus flipped tables was in the church. Right? Like he flipped them because, well, literally he flipped them because of the greed of the church. But like, man, whenever you see Jesus say you whitewash people, it's like he's swearing at them. Like he's not, but like it's a bad word in the Jewish culture. It was bad. And he was saying it to the religious who made church hard for others, who made God seem like a God who punishes, who made worship difficult, who created boundaries Let's not let our actions and our words be like that. I'm got off track a little bit, but our foundation is this. God is good. 
And God is for me. God is good and God is for me. I love um, when Rachel and Hope continued singing that because he is for you. We need that reminder. God is for you. God is for you. He's not looking to punish you. God is actually for you. He's not looking for you to screw up. See, God is for you. I think I used to believe God was like an eight-year-old kid with a magnifying glass, you know? I used to fry ants all the time anyway. I don't know if that's a cool thing anymore or not, but like, this is, we aren't a pet project. God is for you. But Sam, man, you don't, where is God now? I don't know, but God is good. I don't have the answers. But this is the expert. God is for you. And his purpose for you is that you would reflect his goodness and favor. And so I want to close with a declaration that's in Hebrews. It's a prayer that the author of Hebrews is praying for the church in Hebrews. A church that was going through just a lot. This is how he closes off. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Right now in your life, God is equipping you with everything you need to work out his purpose. Again, his purpose isn't actually mysterious. While it might have individual implications for each and every one of us, his purpose is that through his goodness displayed in your life, all will know the nature of who God is. And he has already given you everything you need for that. How? That's up for our incredibly creative God to decide in your life. It is so personal. What, what is God's goodness? I don't know. I don't. But it's great. That's fun. And it's exciting because this could be our expectation. God is good. He's going to work out his goodness. Let's, let's, let's pray. So God, I thank you that you are literally giving each and every one of us everything we need to reflect your goodness and your favor. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would search our heart. Training and teaching and discipline isn't easy. And so Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us personally where our actions, our words, or our attitude has been the opposite of peace with one another? Would you reveal to us personally where our words, our actions, our attitudes were less than honoring to each other? God, even in our good intentions, see our heart. I pray that your grace would just be so evident in this process. God, you are for us, even in your discipline, even in your correction. God, me personally, I want to see your power and your nature displayed fully. I know that only comes from honoring you. 
So would you show me the areas in my life? And you can pray this for yourself. I guess I'm praying for me right now. But would you show us areas in our own lives where our words and our actions towards one another and towards you have not been honoring? Holy Spirit, would you continue to teach us how to live right? How to reflect your nature. May the words of our mouth, the actions of our actions, just reflect you, Jesus. You and nothing else, Jesus. Amen. This morning, uh, as we go, go in the knowledge of a God who is for you. But please do not ignore this challenge. Search our hearts. Make sure our attitude is one of love, grace, that speaks slow to offend, quick to forgive. Go in God's grace and his love for you.